Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a tiny bit of the Sundance Film Festival straight into your earbuds. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing 99 Homes, Ass Backwards, and AI, Artificial Intelligence. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. So as you might hear, our AC is going because we're not going to shut it off because I don't want to suffocate in a hot box. Yes, Jessica has very high standards when it comes to her personal body temperature, and we cannot compromise that for your auditory listening experience. (laughs) Sorry about that. But before we get into talking about movies, I had a few things I wanted to discuss with you, Jessica. If you have the time. I'm going to be honest, I have all the time in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, First up, I want to talk about a movie that I watched without you, but I do want to watch with you sometime soon. Likely story. (laughs) 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 Um, And that is uh, the new Criterion release of this 1984 movie called The Funeral from, and I will say, I'm not Japanese, so okay. pardon the pronunciation. <laughs> You're not? No. It's from Yuzo Itami, mm-hmm. um, who is the director of Tampopo, mm-hmm. which you got for me for Christmas recently, I believe, and we have not had the chance to watch that yet, but I am very excited because it looks like beauty shots of food. So yes. that's, <laughs> that's why I, I want to watch it. I know we're very excited about that. But this was the feature he did right before that, and it's his debut, and one note thing is this man who directed this he did not make his directing debut until he was 50 years old so Mm. if you think it's over it ain't over (laughs) think again there's still time (laughs) but i really like this movie i thought it was really it was a lot different than i expected to be i didn't really know what i was getting into i just knew that he had directed it and it was about a funeral but it's a very satirical and like darkly humorous um i was thinking of recently we watched together the uh, Iomofe, This Is My Desire. In that one, one of the main characters had a person close to them die, and you kind of see there are parts where you see them trying to make arrangements and all the kind of the little logistical hoops that they have to go through, like with setting up burial stuff and arranging for bodies to be stored and all that kind of stuff. And it, that is a more serious take on it. The funeral, um, it's kind of like a more like darkly humorous take on it. At, at the beginning, uh, the patriarch of the family dies and all of the family has to come together for a funeral over like a long weekend and you kind of see all of the arrangements that go into it and especially within the Japanese culture it's really just an example of one thing that I found very amusing is they're very rigid about how they have to interact with others like during the grieving process so they have to watch instructional videos <laughs> on like how to respond to people and stuff you see them practicing so that's just like one example of something more outlandish things they do but then it's not a heightened thing for this movie it's like what people in Japan often do to like prepare for this type of event so it's very darkly humorous but also touching in points and it's just a really entertaining movie and the Criterion Blu-ray that just dropped it's really good and has like some good essays and new interviews with some of the cast and everything and it's a movie that was not on my radar before it was announced but I found it very entertaining so I would recommend that to anyone who thinks that sounds even remotely entertaining. And the other thing I wanted to mention is we're not only lovers of movies. We watch TV. We've talked about it a couple times on here. <laughs> yeah. And we've been watching 
a good number of shows recently, but I wanted to highlight two really quickly just to put them more on people's radar. The first one, longtime listeners will know that you've championed since the beginning. It's the return of Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva. Ooh, sounds so sweet. Don't you agree? <laughs> <laughs> but that one's on Peacock, and we've watched like the first three or four episodes that have premiered already, and it's just as strong as ever so many quotable lines and everyone's killing it if you like the first season i think it's so far even continuing to get better yeah i still enjoy the show and the cast is really good and paula pell had so many lines within the first few episodes (laughs) that like just stuck in my mind i love her so much i love all of her lines yeah so i highly recommend people tuning into peacock for that Mm mm-hmm And the other show that I want to put on everyone's radar is one that I did not know about until it premiered, but now I'm loving it. And that is, I love that for you (laughs) Yeah. uh, with Vanessa Bayer and it's on Showtime Yeah. and it is incredibly funny. Um, Do you want to explain a little bit what that's about? Well, Vanessa Bayer stars in it. Also Molly Shannon stars in it. A lot of good people, but she's working at her father's Costco I guess he manages that and she has been obsessed with the home shopping network for a long time but that's it's like their version which is SVN yeah SVN and whenever she was younger she had leukemia so she was in the hospital watching SVN all the time and she loved all of the hosts and the people who sold things especially Molly Shannon's character so whenever she gets older of course she still idolizes them and she wants to work there and she wants to be one of those people so she tries out and she makes it and then she's super super awkward and weird and Vanessa plays that very very well it's kind of like a lot of her SNL skits where she plays super weird awkward characters but I mean there I guess there's more of her in there because she actually did have leukemia whenever she was younger so it's like partially based on her life I guess and she isn't doing so well and so she is about to be fired so she panics and says that she has cancer it like it came back and everyone thinks that so that's what gets her ratings going so she has to keep going with this ruse that her cancer came back and it's super weird and awkward so if you love cringe humor you would really like this yeah like there's so many random lines that she just drops that have me bursting out laughing this is probably one of the shows that we're watching right now that has me consistently like boisterously laughing like out loud so i highly recommend i love that for you not even the stuff that she says even just the way that she moves is super weird yeah it's like normal normal movements that people do but then she just takes it and tries too hard and then just makes it really weird yeah like just for example a scenario she would find herself in is like if she's has to sit down for a meeting but all the chairs are taken Mm -hmm. so she has to choose where to sit and she chooses to sit on a box and like how that (laughs) evolves it's very awkward but very funny yeah it's great so if you're a vanessa bayer fan and you're like where's she been since snl check this one out it's getting her giving her a chance to be like more of herself and like even funnier than she was on snl yeah she's been in a few movies smaller roles but it's nice to see her in a leading role yeah and i want this to continue they showtime canceled on becoming a god so i need this to i need this to continue (laughs) i'll never forgive them (laughs) i mean maybe it allowed kirsten to have time to get an oscar nom for power of the dog maybe it freed her up but we could we should have had both yeah (laughs) so showtime don't mess this up better not 
All right, I'll get off my soapbox because <laughs> I could be up here all day, but I'm ready to dance. Ooh, I think I'm feeling the urge as well. Shall we Sundance? We shall. real estate broker this home has been foreclosed on no this right, look, is not happening i need you your mom and your son to step off the property this is not your home mr carver please, please don't sir, you have two minutes pack whatever belongings you need oh my god does he have to stand there while she packs up is that right oh my god oh my god oh my god 99 homes played at sundance in 2015 the film is directed by Raman Barani and it is written by Barani and Amir Naderi. It stars Andrew Garfield, Michael Shannon, Tim Guinea, and Laura Dern. Hardworking single father Dennis Nash and his mother are evicted from their home. Desperate to get his house back, Nash goes to work for the wealthy and ruthless businessman Rick Carver, the very man who repossessed Nash's home. It is a deal with the devil that comes with increasingly high cost. On Carver's orders, Nash must evict families from their homes. In return, Nash is promised a lifestyle of wealth and glamour. So I was very excited that you recommended we watch this movie because it's been on my radar for a long time, but it just seems to be like the type of movie that I would have went probably years being like, I want to watch that movie, but we just never get to. But I've been on especially like a Andrew Garfield high after his performances last year, and I was excited to get into this. And I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I had heard praise from it back when it premiered in like 2015, and like all the critics loved it. But I had heard that it was a tough watch and I would agree with that just because like it deals with people losing their homes and getting evicted but while that is tough and it's painfully relatable to a lot of people I think the way it deals with kind of the moral questioning of whether or not you should put yourself before others and what your personal line in the sand is like how you earn your money and how you can sleep at night I think that is really intriguing and I think these performances are so incredible Andrew Garfield is amazing as always Michael Shannon is so great at playing just an asshole he's also good at playing like a good guy but like he's very good at playing like an asshole like in Shape of Water and Mm -hmm. countless other movies but just their dynamic with one another and just seeing how Andrew is he has his like conscience but then he's getting sucked in by having money for the first time in a while and not having to be afraid of not being able to provide for his family that's very appealing to someone who's desperate and preying on that desperation. It's just a whole lot of moral quandary stuff that I find very fascinating and I really liked how it all played out. Yeah, I had been looking forward to watching this for a while. It had been on my list because I really like Andrew Garfield and Michael Shannon and I like that Laura Dern is in it as well. She did a really great job. The cast, as you said, was amazing, but it was really hard to watch. It was, I found myself being really really depressed. It's just heavy. It's like 
oppressive at points because I just feel so awful and it just makes you ponder a lot of things about your own life and what if it happened to you and all this stuff and it, it's like letting the dark in mm-hmm. which I do a lot but sometimes I'm good at shutting it off and then whenever it's just in your face for an hour and a half or longer I don't remember it's a lot but the movie was very good it's just interesting that such a hardcore drama can be made about something as simple as real estate something that is meaty I guess that has a lot of weight and an actual story to it like Michael Shannon's character he seems like a sometimes he just seems like a straight-up weird villain with no depth to him then other points he seems like like he could be a nice guy and it, it seems like it's poking through but then I never trusted him the entire time so he just seems so evil all the time but I know that he's just he's jaded himself so he has figured out a way to survive in this world and it's working for him and that's how he sleeps at night as he said and then as Andrew's character asks him like how do you sleep at night mm-hmm. and he explains but I just wild all the stuff that I would never have thought of any of this stuff the stuff that Michael Shannon's character does like what his business is built on it's just wild there's so much going into it so much mental math and weird little shortcuts and trickery it's wild (laughs) yeah i guess what kind of makes it even heavier or more depressing if you choose to think about it is he's not a super villain he's just basically a person who works in real estate like yeah like he's just a person who we probably know yeah and just it's kind of sad because it is pretty much true that you have to be ruthless to get ahead mm-hmm. and make money and have your money make money and all that I know there are probably some good people who like have a bunch of money but a lot of people have to do stuff that they probably otherwise wouldn't choose to do but they know that the rewards are worth it in their mind to kind of take advantage of other people or screw other people over yeah I'm not going to be morally superior. I've never been put in the situation of just like, you get this amount of money if you choose to do this duplicitous thing. Even if it's not illegal, but it's not moral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm just, I'm getting used to the fact that these people like this actually do exist. And I think that's why it's so strange to me watching this boy. I'm like, he's just like some weird super villain that you would see in a comic book movie or in a comic book series. But I'm just getting used to the fact that these people actually exist so I'm just wrapping my head around it and it just seems weird so it just seems to me like wow he's just pure evil but I mean like I know that he like I said he's jaded and then he is doing what he has to do to make this money and to survive and it's what he thinks is right he's justified everything to himself Mm -hmm. and he's like this is fine I'm good I'm in the right and if you want money you you gotta follow me follow what I do or I'm quick to cut whoever off I don't care because it's burned me in the past so and don't mess with his money yeah I'll give you yours if you don't get in the way of mine (laughs) I guess since Trump got elected that's whenever it seems like all the super villains start to come out of the woodwork or I'm just noticing them more and I'm just like these people exist I think you're just tuned into that frequency more you're yeah that's what I mean yeah. he made me tune into it I guess and most of the people here are super super rich like the one percenters or whatever mm-hmm. they inherited their money they didn't earn it mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know they've always had the money so they're just not in touch with reality Mm -hmm. So it's probably why they seem, a lot of them are just 
they probably lack empathy. But then the people like this guy who work for it, I don't think that they could ever be in the 1%, but they could be rich. But to get to that point, most of the time they have to be assholes. Yeah, it's just a matter of how much are you going to let in. I don't want to generalize like one type of profession or anything, but like with real estate, he's doing like foreclosures and everything. But like in a, if you're a real estate agent showing a house, but like you know there's maybe like one thing wrong with one aspect, like with the plumbing or something, but like you know that it might co- not cost a sale or something. Like, do you mention it or not? Like, if you know that you can get away with it, or if you're selling insurance and you recommend someone to take out like a certain insurance policy that you know that they don't need, but you're like pushing it on them morality of like making someone invest in something that they don't need to or i mean it can be applied to pretty much any like even just smaller stuff like you're a salesman working retail or something like adding on certain warranties and stuff like just that you're the corporations are pushing you to do to yeah like, it happens all the time even little small things little white lies mm-hmm. it happens all the time that's because of capitalism yeah. <laughs> our system it's all shady Mm-hmm. One thing that bothered me in the movie was like whenever Andrew's character is at a place that he's more stable financially, I guess, but morally not so much. Mm-hmm. He's doing good for his family, for his mom and his kid, and he makes them secure. And then whenever he shows them a place, and then his mom's just like freaks out and is like, "No, I don't want this because it's it's like blood money essentially to her," mm-hmm. and she flips out on him. I just get frustrated because I'm just like, "Why would you make it worse for him?" Even if you don't agree, if you're just morally opposed, like, this is blood money, I don't want this, just don't make it worse because she just fractures all that relationship. Yeah, I think that goes back to, of course, we're not the characters, so we can't make decisions for them. But just earlier on, whenever he gets this job of helping him evict people and going into all of his schemes, basically, I know he doesn't want to tell his family what he's doing because, like, they wouldn't understand. But, like, tell him, explain it to them. Yeah. Sure, they might not like it, but it's like, do you want him doing that? Or do you want to be more on the street like they're already living out of ho- out of a hotel after getting evicted yeah. so you have to make money so just tell your mom like yes I'm working for this asshole who evicted us and let her deal with that from the beginning and not <laughs> spring that on her later whenever it's like you're caught up in your own lies and yeah, everything that bothered me too but that's just a whole movie thing where mm-hmm. people just hide stuff whenever you don't need to and then it creates a whole drama thing yeah but I think it could have been just as effective of just him trying to save up money and running into people who he has evicted like without his mom adding on to any kind of yeah. moral judgment of stuff but you needed to have like a strong moral figure on the other side of just like what you're doing is wrong yeah but it's not like he doesn't know that and then just running into having to see someone later that he evicted is going to be enough too yeah but he knows it's wrong but then also he does start getting into some uh, yeah illegal stuff <laughs> like, yeah he starts upping the ante or whatever he's like i can i can make this better or sweeten the pot <laughs> so it's just that getting greedy and like michael shannon's character is of just you were doing something that was morally wrong now you're doing something that is legally wrong and at what point do you know that if you have the wherewithal to stop you have the fortitude to stop and be like i have enough yeah well some of the stuff that michael shannon's character was doing was illegal as well yeah i mean he's always been doing illegal stuff he just decided to do some of the things that michael shannon's character had not told him about Mm -hmm. so i'll get a little bit more yeah flew too close to the sun Mm-hmm.
but with having like another person on the other side to be like that's wrong like he could have told her and then all along she could still just be like this is wrong can you think about another job or something mm -hmm. she could still be that person even knowing i don't know just some of the dramatic stuff, the way that it's handled was sort of irritating. Like the finale is irritating to me a little bit, but I was very on edge. It's very tense, which is good. It's good for drama. Yeah, it is structured like a thriller, which like I said, it being real estate, it's interesting that mm -hmm. they can evoke that much of a reaction to you. Just like, oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. And all the stuff that's going on in the movie, like I had no idea about any of this stuff because I don't know. I don't know adult things or whatever. <laughs> like whenever the part with the keys for cash mm -hmm. deal, I was like, I have no idea what they're doing. Like I did not understand it at all. Yeah. And then I asked you, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. And just shady stuff that they were doing that Michael Shannon showed him to do in order to get in on this business and everything. I had no idea about any of that stuff. It exists, but I don't know anything about the real estate world. Yeah. Really quickly, the keys for cash thing, just for anyone curious, it's just like <laughs> willingly vacating your home for like a certain amount of money, volunteering to evict yourself and w without having to be like forcefully evicted by the police and you'll get so much money to like give up your keys. Yeah, because I think they explained it or he explained it to Andrew Garfield and maybe I zoned out at that point or something <laughs> or I just didn't hear it all, but I was just like, not exactly sure what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, because it's just people giving up their home is such a tense time like you're giving up your entire world basically and to not have to force someone out of there when you don't know how someone's mentally going to take it and if things are going to like <laughs> get violent and yeah it showed that several times mm -hmm. two notable times but the one before he told him about keys for cash mm -hmm. it was really insane like gross <laughs> And you, you mentioned that it kind of made you think about your own life or whatever. I have this thought whenever I think of if I knew my house was on fire, like what would I grab or whatever. But it was kind of similar in this. Of like Andrew's given it like, hey, we'll give you like five minutes or like 10 minutes to grab any kind of essentials that you need. But after that, that's all we're going to give you. And it's just like, what would you take? Like taking stock of your own life of what's important and trying to act under that kind of time constraint. Very stressful. and Yeah. That part didn't make sense either because he gave them that time limit to do that and then whenever he had them wait outside, they went in and got all the stuff anyways and then he was like, you need to have all this stuff gone or else we'll do whatever with it. So I didn't really get that. And I guess just making sure that what they had is like secure, I don't know. Or undamaged or something yeah. instead of them not like throwing it. Not nicked by someone. Yeah. You don't know who's like in there messing with your stuff too. What kind of randos it they got to move out stuff and he didn't explain what they, they were going to do so as far as they knew mm. they were just going to get the essentials yeah and probably every real estate person is probably different they might not do it at that exact time they might come back later and but this is all heightened for drama mm -hmm. yeah it might be clear to people here we do not work in real estate <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about i just passed my test <laughs> not our bag <laughs> <laughs> Hey, do you want this house? I mean, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a dope house. No, I wanted a house with a pool. I mean, I don't know. Just, like, walk to a pool? <laughs> just get a shower. I don't know. Can you get a kiddie pool? I don't know, man. Just, like, the lights work, dude. <laughs> I think you'd be a great real estate agent. <laughs> I would get so fed up with people so fast. If they're like, no, this isn't working for me, I'm just like, come on. It's like the fifth house. They're like, no. <laughs> they're like, it's the second house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like... 
man, do you want a bedroom? It's got a bedroom. That's pretty cool. I don't know. Don't call me again. <laughs> or I'd probably, <laughs> if they were like, I want to look at this house, I'd probably be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd take them the whole time. I'd be like, mm. <laughs> I was struggling. I didn't know if I wanted to make this reverence of like, you'd just be like the Santa Claus and Miracle on 34th Street. You're like, no, don't shop here. You can go over to Gimbal's and get, get you this. They have this in stock in this color or whatever. Probably. I'd probably be like, these houses are way overpriced and their plumbing smells like poop. <laughs> so the house across the street, way better. <laughs> the contractor who built this is going through a divorce and these are probably a little shoddy right now. <laughs> I don't think it's going to pass code. <laughs> Jessica, we're going to have to ask you to stop showing us. <laughs> I'm going to go out on my own just because cool houses. Yep. You just sell like four houses a year because there's not that many cool houses. Yep. So I yeah. my calling. The feel good movie of the year. Mm. Oh, good for you. And how was it? What is your rating system? I'm going to explain real quick. Mm -hmm. So going back to the items that they choose to get in their shortened amount of time, one of the items that I believe Laura Dern chooses to take is a house plant. <laughs> one of the most unnecessary items one could get whenever they're vacating the house. <laughs> and since this is such a dark movie, I didn't want to take anything that's darker than that. So mm -hmm. I'm going with house plants. And I would give this... Probably four out of five house plans. I really enjoyed it. Well, I was probably thinking the same thing. I was probably gonna give it four house plants out of five. So we be watering, got some miracle grow. <laughs> nice. Give me that ficus, you know? We just need some nice bay windows so it can get some sunshine. <laughs> if you wanna see this movie, if you wanna check it out, I will say the distributor who released this movie, they have since shuttered their doors. They went out of business. So some of their movies are a little bit hard to find. <laughs> R.I.P. Broad Green Pictures. But this movie is available on Shout Factory TV, Tubi, and Roku with ads as of this recording. There's also like an out-of-print Blu-ray, which is how we watched it. So good luck finding it and watching it with ads. That Kate and Chloe from my pageant days? Coming in dead last couldn't have been easy. That was then, and this is now. Chloe's been performing every single night for crowds of about 500 plus. Kate works in the medical profession yeah. now. She's an egg donor. Yeah. But she's got big dreams of managing other girls' eggs when she inevitably ages out of the field. It's long-term stuff. But... I love the way the two of you aren't embarrassed about where you are in life. Thank you. Ass Backwards played at... Jessica giggling at the word <laughs> ass. Yeah. Ass Backwards played at the Sundance Film Festival in 2013. It was written by June Diane Raphael and Casey Wilson. It was directed by Chris Nelson. It stars June Diane Raphael, Casey Wilson, John Cryer, Vincent D'Onofrio, Alicia Silverstone, Brian Garrity, Paul Shear, and Bob Odenkirk. Two best friends embark on a cross-country trip back to their hometown to attempt to win a pageant that eluded them as children. So I was really looking forward to this movie because I was hoping to capture some of the feeling and magic of like a Drop Dead Gorgeous and a Romeo Michelle's high school reunion. So I was hoping for that spark and that feel. And it didn't quite capture that. It didn't live up to those movies, but what can really? But I think it was still pretty good. It's not super hilarious, which 
judging by the poster and stuff, I'm guessing it's marketed to be. So if you go into it expecting it to be really, really laugh out loud funny, I don't think you're going to be satisfied. I just think it's silly and it, it has stupid humor and it's like these two women, Kate and Chloe, June Diane Raphael plays Kate and Casey Wilson plays Chloe. They come off as not being super bright at times and they're, they're mostly like oblivious and really self-involved, but the comedy and the humor is really dumb and sometimes it can seem like they're straining for jokes, but I didn't think that it was like too distracting at points. I enjoyed the ride, I guess, and I was wondering how it would all turn out. And I really like June and Casey as people and their work. I remember not really liking Bride Wars as much, but I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't really remember how it went, but I remember being let down by that one. I wish that I could see more from them. I don't know. I haven't checked to see what else they've written because I've just seen June pop up in other roles in other movies and like she was in Grace and Frankie while that was going so I don't know how much writing she's doing but I was really excited to see something written by them. I always love whenever women get to write things. I think the director this was his debut I want to say but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah I don't know enough about Chris to weigh in on that. <laughs> you can look it up but yeah it's just like a it's a weird journey and it has really dark humor. It's it's the humor is very fitting for June and Casey, I can really see a lot of them in it. It has a really low rating. And some of the things that I could see that people had a problem with was just, there's like a shot of them peeing at the beginning together and you can see their butts and the pee is going down the sidewalk and people are just like, why is this in here? It seems so juvenile or whatever. But then I'm just like, well, all the dude comedies, you have men, there's fart jokes, poop jokes. You have like in Step Brothers, one of them putting their ball sack on a drum set or whatever and that's funny to people and I just think like if they were guys people would be more forgiving of it and they would be like oh it's fine because they're used to it but I just think with women they're not allowed to have this kind of humor just being kind of gross but it's not it's really not that bad it's very tame compared to something like The Hangover and Old School and Step Brothers all of that it's the humor is not that gross I just think some of it not all of it not all the criticism is for that but I saw some people that were harping on that and I'm just like I think you would be thinking differently if they were men with the gross out stuff I think so I think people who aren't into that type of humor I think not everyone but a large portion of the society has like kind of grown out of that type of humor and it's kind of seems stuck in the past I know women haven't been able to do it as much but it's still like not yeah incredibly funny. but this was 2013 and bridesmaids even at that time I feel we were kind bridesmaids of, had just come out in 2011 and they had diarrhea jokes in that and people were laughing at that but there was also criticism for that I remember yeah but that was also a lot better executed yeah but I'm just saying like that was way grosser than this movie and people still I saw quite a few people making comments about like why do they like showing their butts so much there's stuff about that like are they obsessed with their butts <laughs> I'm just like why is that a problem now if they tried to make that movie it probably wouldn't go so well because they don't make those comedies really anymore with dudes being like we're going streaking and stuff so I don't think it would fly as much but 2013 it seems like there is still a, some of it like the cusp we're phasing it out but it's still around <laughs> 
Which is why they probably thought it was okay to write, which is why they wrote it, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess. I don't have an issue with the grossness of it. I just have a problem with it not being funny. The execution. If you're just talking about people thinking they shouldn't be doing it at all, I understand that's ridiculous. If they... That's what I'm saying. Okay, then yeah, I don't agree with that. But if they're just saying it's not funny, then I agree with that. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like I said, that was a part of their criticism. That they just shouldn't be doing it because they're women and they... should be doing gross stuff yeah but yeah that wasn't all the criticism a lot of people were just saying like the jokes didn't land and it wasn't funny so i'm not saying that's the only reason why it has a low score is because people can't take women doing gross out humor okay on those points i'm just saying like i don't think that you would be making those comments if they were men i agree with that Uh, like i said with the bridesmaids people made those comments with that movie too with the diarrhea and throw up stuff yeah and then you still had like the girls trip with the peeing on people which (laughs) people lost their shit over apparently so (laughs) did they i don't remember like that's like an infamous scene it's like probably even more so than the diarrhea in the street but yeah this i don't think that this movie is hilarious or anything but just to watch it just to see where it goes because i was intrigued that's fine and just seeing them interact on screen and be dumb is good with me that's why i liked it okay i didn't love it but i don't think that it deserves the harsh ratings that it got from what i saw (laughs) i don't think that it deserves like a super low it's like a 27 on rotten tomatoes or something something like that i i don't think it deserves that low so where would you put it uh probably like 40 percent okay i just don't want to give it 27 But yeah, I don't think it would be uh, ripe. Is that what they say? Fresh. Fresh. (laughs) Ooh, this is ripe. (laughs) I was like, what is the word? (laughs) Yeah, because it was rotten and fresh. Okay. Mm. Even though it's maybe unintentional, I like the certain... I mean, knowing them is probably intentional. Certain commentary on uh, women just in society and everything. Like how they were stunted in their growth emotionally and mentally because of this essentially trauma in their lives that they experienced at their pageant whenever they were kids and them just why are you laughing at me i just i was like are we about to go on our part two of our diatribe against beauty pageants that we started with (laughs) little miss sunshine oh and drop dead gorgeous so part three i don't know maybe but (laughs) (laughs) at the beginning where it shows them in the past in the beauty pageant and how they really bombed and june's character kate whenever she was answering the question and the Bob Odenkirk, the MC, I guess you would call it, was really, really harsh to her and called her like an idiot and stuff. And the audience is like booing her. They experience this trauma and it basically defines their entire lives afterwards. And they're always trying to be better and they're trying to be what they think that audience wanted and essentially what they think society wants, which is, I don't know, what a lot of women go through. Just wanting to be what society tells them to be because they have these little boxes that they have to fit in and none of us fit in these boxes men and women none of them do so i like that there's at least some of that even though it's hidden between or underneath stupid humor and stuff it is there it's at the core which is nice and how they're just like you aren't allowed to tell me that i'm not pretty just learning to have confidence and acceptance in yourself and the way that you want to be in in your life is okay if you're different or if you don't live up to some stupid standard it's okay and i like the their interaction and chemistry on screen because they are real life best friends so i do like that just like a female buddy comedy yeah i love both of these ladies um long fan of casey wilson and june diane miss june diane <laughs> 
so I was, I was really excited to catch this one, but I thought it was a major letdown. <laughs> and I, like, there are some very funny moments in this, but there are way more misses for me. And this happened with, like, some other movies that we've watched recently that we may or may not talk about in the future. But just the making of just poor decisions just really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like, or at least some of the decisions they were making because they were just so dumb. I was just like, why would you do this? Why are you, like, yeah. I don't want to say, like, why are you this dumb? But, like, why are, like, why do you have to be written to be this dumb? Yeah, they are dumb. Like, the yeah. characters are dumb. I also think women in movies and film, they aren't allowed to be that dumb, mm-hmm. usually. So I think they just wanted to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is basically, like, dumb and dumber. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but none of what most, no, I won't say none, most of what they went through and the examples of them like being dumb the humor never really justified it that much like there was like the occasional joke that landed but there was a lot that just really did not connect and it did seem like they were trying to like force humor out when they're just the type of humor that they were delivering it just wasn't really connecting with me in in the moment at least there was some jokes that really like I was like oh that's a good one but then there was just a lot that I was just like I haven't laughed for like 10 minutes so I would just kind of like smirk at it but then I just like okay Okay. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate them subverting the standards and doing the dumb stuff that men do. I can appreciate that, but that's not the same thing as being like, entertained and laughing at something. It's just my general sensibilities right now. I've kind of, for the most part, grown out of a lot of that type of humor. So it's just not funny to me anymore. So I can be like, oh, good for you. You're doing this, but that doesn't mean I want to watch it. Or it's something I'm going to want to return to over and over. If the jokes would have landed, if the script would have been tighter, mm-hmm. then it could have been better but again i do like the whole just like men are allowed to do all these dumb things and it's people can laugh at them and with them Mm -hmm. and they don't really suffer that many consequences it's just like oh whatever boys will be boys Mm -hmm. and it's nice to see a movie where it's it's the same thing but just gender reversed Mm -hmm. so i mean maybe that was the whole point them like showing how not funny it is (laughs) how dumb it is and it's like why would you make all these movies with all these dudes and they did so well and you like this why don't you like it with us and maybe it was the point that it wasn't supposed to be hilarious man if that was the point that's like 3d chess i don't know i don't know what's going on like i mean honestly with them it would make sense knowing how they are i wouldn't be surprised but Mm -hmm. I mean, it could have been. The movie's, like, ass-backwards. Yeah. They say it in the title. Yeah, it's just, like you said, them opening up with them just, like, peeing on the sidewalk. I'm just like, okay. I didn't really find it, like, oh, I can't believe what they're doing. But then there were certain moments, like we were talking about right before we started recording, whenever Kate, she's thinking that they have to uh, <laughs> do something yeah. to us. Basically, the, the old saying, like, cash grass or ass, yeah. ass for free. <laughs> so whenever... <laughs> Whenever Kate's like, guess it's time to pay the piper. Yeah. <laughs> like, just June's delivery on yeah. that line. <laughs> I really love that. Yeah. And there were moments like that where even if the material wasn't the strongest, their delivery kind of, like, curbed it. And like, oh, they made it funny. Yeah. But I just wish the core material would have been funnier. Because, like, they're very funny and they can deliver stuff really funny. And just their mannerisms and exaggerations were more what I responded to more than the actual text of the comedy like what they were actually saying wasn't as funny as how they were saying it because they're very talented performers yeah as 
people, they are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Just being themselves, they are hilarious. Because just listening to them on podcasts, I love them. They're so funny and they make me laugh so hard. Yeah. So if they could just write to that, to their strengths, I guess, Mm -hmm. it would be even better. But yeah, I agree. Just her delivery. I just, I love how June... (laughs) I love how June talks and stuff because she has like this certain thing, you know, I'll do my impression of her where she's just like, wow, I know, I knew that was coming. (laughs) Yep, I guess it's time to pay the piper. (laughs) Wow, Casey. (laughs) It's uncanny. They're so funny. I love them. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I've listened to so many, like, episodes of, like, How Did This Get Made? And even with, like, Casey, like, I've watched several shows just because she's in it. Of course, I discovered her on Happy Endings. But Mm -hmm. then I watched, is it Marry Me, I think? Mm -hmm. And a bunch of other shows. And I'm just like, I want to watch this because Casey's on this. I love Casey Wilson. She's great. So Mm -hmm. I was excited to see this. It's just her performance was really good. It's just, I wish they, like you said, had written better material for them. Because most of the time, I was just kind of like, this is amusing her finding a rabbit like a wild rabbit mm-hmm. and just collecting it and how they treated it that amused yeah. me i did not expect her to just reach down and grab it without it running away i mean obviously yeah it's a trained rabbit that they're working with she went over to it and it wasn't moving and then she just reached down and picked it up and i was like what yeah. <laughs> it didn't even run andrew yeah <laughs> There were good gags in the movie, and, like, I'm not going to say I didn't laugh, but there was just so many times where it seemed like they expected the audience to laugh, and I was just like, it didn't hit for me. The humor made me think of We Came Together. Okay, yeah. That movie where it's, they're making fun of rom-coms. Yeah. So, it's pretty much the same humor. Like, a lot of that movie, it had a chance to be really great in being kind of bad or whatever. Yeah. But it just wasn't super funny and a lot of things didn't land as well as they could have. Yeah, I mean, if this is supposed to be a satire of, like, dumb buddy movies like Dumb and Dumber, Mm -hmm. I think what makes, like, a good satire is, like, you can still find a lot of stuff to laugh at within this. Like, you're finding it funny as well Mm -hmm. and not just, like, oh, I appreciate what you're doing. You're like, no, I'm actually laughing at what you're doing. Yeah. I haven't seen Bride Wars. Like you said, you think it let you down? I've always heard really yeah, I remember bad it. things. I remember it being weaker. But from what I remember on podcasts, I also believe that it was compromised a lot for the studio and they didn't yeah. really like what ended up on screen. So I'm not going to like yeah. judge them on that. I think I remember June talking about that. If this is what they wanted on screen, then I also am not a fan of Yeah. I I wouldn't think they would have had to compromise for this, considering it's... No. I I think it's all them. So that just makes me a little bit disappointed that it didn't hit for me more. Yeah. I just wanted more. I just wanted more from them. Because they've made me, like, die laughing before. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted more of that in this. Well, they have an untitled June Diane Raphael and Casey Wilson project in the works that they're writing. So hopefully it'll be even better because time has passed and people have developed and matured and Mm -hmm. so maybe it'll be even better so I'm looking forward to that yeah I'm definitely not writing them off by any means because I love them so just because I didn't love this I'm still highly anticipating that yeah anything that they're involved in I will be there I love that group of women where it's Casey Wilson June Diane Jessica St. Clair Lennon Parnum all of them I am in whatever it is Kulop I was gonna say I would include Kulop yeah she's not doing 
too much like on the television or movie side like she's awesome yeah i will say that this movie had not everyone was like utilized to the best but there this had like a stacked cast of supporting characters too like a lot of really funny people um like you mentioned like uh bob odenkirk at the beginning as and the, the end oh yeah as the host <laughs> vincent d'onofrio as casey wilson's dad, <laughs> poor dad <laughs> he was funny <laughs> yeah just like seeing his life crumbling because he could can't say like no to his dog yeah but he just he loves her so much and he wants to do whatever he can yeah. it's it's heartbreaking but then it's funny yeah it's a love so pure just like my baby girl needs this she gets this yeah he just has like that silly smile on his face and he's like yeah yeah and I love Vincent because he just, he has a very distinct look, but he just kind of a chameleon sometimes. And I'm just like, you're the same dude who is like all freaky faced and men in black. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> full metal jacket. <laughs> <laughs> what is your major malfunction? <laughs> I cannot, I cannot express the joy that I have every time that Jessica breaks out her full metal jacket, <laughs> Vincent and Aubrey impression. Sticks with you. Yeah. And dear listeners, gentle listeners, if you could just see her face while she does it, it's, it's uncanny. Mm, I'm a freaky lady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to close out by saying, don't write this movie off or anything. I would say just give it a watch at least once and don't expect it to be hilarious or anything like that. Just just watch it. There's some solid laughs sprinkled throughout. Yeah, just for mindless entertainment. Just watch it. Oh no! What is your rating system? My rating system is Parallel P Rivers. The Rio Grande. (laughs) I don't want to be super harsh on this. I'm going back and forth between two and two and a half. I'll just say two and a half Parallel P Rivers out of five. I was a little concerned because I was going to go with two. So if you went two, I was like, well, you like this more than I do. And I didn't want to go down to one and a half. (laughs) But yeah, I I would pee out two Parallel Streams. (laughs) If you want to watch this movie, it is currently available to stream on Prime, Peacock, and Paramount+. Plus. When's your birthday? I never had a birthday. His name is David. I feel it. That's creepy. Whoa. That's so real. <laughs> <laughs> In a distant future, in an age of intelligent machines, he is the first robotic child programmed to love and coexist as a member of a family. AI, Artificial Intelligence, was released in 2001. It's based on a short story called Super Toys Last All Summer Long by Brian Aldiss and adapted to the screen by Steven Spielberg and Ian Watson. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. It stars Haley Joel Osment, Jude Law, Francis O'Connor, Brendan Gleeson, Sam Robards, William Hurt, and Jake Thomas. The first robotic boy programmed to love, David is adopted as a test case by a Cybertronics employee and his wife. Though he gradually becomes their child, a series of unexpected circumstances make this life impossible for David. Without final acceptance by humans or machines, David embarks on a journey to discover where he truly belongs, uncovering a world in which the line between robot and machine is both vast and profoundly thin. So this was my first time watching this movie. I think whenever I was younger, I remember my brother had the DVD of it. I think he liked it pretty well, but I remember seeing pieces of it and I was like, what? 
what is this? And I got kind of bored and I did not finish it and I barely remembered it. I only remembered seeing Haley Joel Osment in some like weird futuristic car thing. So this is basically just like a fresh watch for me. And I was hoping for like a Bicentennial Man feel, of course. And it wasn't quite that. I think if I would have watched it whenever I was younger and watched the whole thing, actually, I think I probably would have liked it better. It probably would have been one of those movies that I remembered fondly and was just like, yeah, this is something that really rocked my world a little bit. I mean, it's the same as what happened with me in Bicentennial Man because I was super amped for it because of the trailer and it made it seem hilarious and a good old romp. And mm -hmm. then we saw it and I was like, what? And I was really bored and I did not like it. And then I watched it when I was older, my late teen years, and I loved it. And it's one of my favorite movies ever. I don't know, maybe that would have happened too with this one, but I feel like it would have landed better with me if I was younger. And then whenever I watch it now, I probably would have added more depth and I probably would have liked it a lot more. I didn't hate it or anything. I think it's pretty good, but I just wanted more of, I don't know, there's just something missing, like some sort of connection. And it's really sad. Yeah, it's a very depressing movie. Yeah, even to the end, it's heartbreaking. And I don't mind that at all in my movies or stories, music, whatever. I'm all about sad stuff, but it's not like the kind of sad that I really really connect to because whenever something is like bittersweet that's whenever it really gets me whenever something is like beautifully sad and profoundly sad i really connect to it that's what i love this one didn't have it didn't have the beautiful part for me the concept of spending one more day with someone yeah but just like the connection of love usually if that's entwined in the sad stuff which i think it's done very well in bicentennial man that's whenever it really gets me the connection it didn't feel as strong for me in this movie and I think it's just because Haley Joel Osment's character David he's programmed to love and he's just like this test robot basically he is capable of loving but then he's not going to exactly love the people that he's with unless they enact the imprinting program which his mom does who's played by Frances O'Connor which Monica does and so he imprints on her and he's like a little baby duckling I don't think that's like genuine enough for me because in Bicentennial Man he was capable of loving but it was like all on his own it was like a glitch and it was really genuine he had to deal with it and figure it out and he had to realize how he was going to lose everyone that he loved and that's just part of being human and he wanted to be human and he wanted that he wanted to share in that and I think that's what gets me so this was just missing that David didn't necessarily want to be human I mean he did yes he did he wanted to be a real boy but the love wasn't it was more false to me let me ask you this what did it possibly I know you're telling me what you would have been better for you but let me ask you this what did it have been better for you if Monica and David had been separated but it wasn't her choice and like she was always trying to like get back to him but they were just being kept apart possibly instead of her being like I gotta give you up but I don't want you dead so it's just like if they ever get a chance to be with one another again you're like they finally got to reunite yeah maybe I don't know because like whenever David meets Jude Law's character, the robot who's like a sex worker basically. Jigolo Joe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that connection a little bit more actually. I found that sweeter because Jude's character, Jigolo Joe, he wasn't Put some even, respect on his name. <laughs> Jigolo Joe. <laughs> he wasn't even programmed to love. He was programmed for sex, but like he didn't understand or know that. But I think he felt indebted to David because he saved his life essentially. But there was still like that connection and respect that he had for him and he wanted him to succeed 
and ultimately he wanted to help David, I guess, to help himself because he was like, say my name, remember I existed. Like, I existed, I was here. And I just thought it was sweeter because he constantly was just holding his hand and he wanted to hold on to him and he trusted him just based on nothing. I don't know, I thought that was nice. And then even though uh, Teddy kind of freaked me out whenever Monica mm. first uh, turned him on because I was like, ooh, <laughs> that looks weird, don't like that. It was really creepy. I like David and Teddy's connection a lot. It's very nice and sweet. I like how they have like a mutual understanding because they're both robotic and they know. Teddy's like senior and he knows how to navigate and he knows what to do. Like how he's always just like, no, David, you'll break. Like immediately. He's more self-aware. Yeah. That was so wild. He was so, like I mentioned to you while we were watching, he's so aware of his existence and that he can die. So that was pretty wild too because (laughs) he almost imprinted on David and he was just constantly like, no, David, no. And whenever they got separated, he was just like do you know where David is and he's trying to find him he helps him out in the end like really saves him because he's always watching he's watching everything and he's aware and he's looking out for him so that connection is really nice I like that those things seem way more genuine to me it's all between machines it wasn't human and machine so you needed stronger human characters and like motivations maybe Monica's character was okay but sometimes she kind of got on my nerves a little bit yeah and she like bounces a third of the way through the movie yeah so, I don't know, maybe if you just had, like, more of an undercurrent of, like, maybe flashing back to her if she hadn't willingly given him up. So, like, the longing to be reunited or whatever. Yeah. It was sad whenever she was giving him up. But that choice that she made, like, well, how she did it and what she did, that was annoying because it didn't make sense and it was dumb. Oh, yeah, because oh, his stupid brother, yeah. the real boy from Lizzie McGuire, right? Yeah. Which and I, he plays a jerk in Lizzie McGuire, too. Yeah. A pest. Yeah. I, I, I was like, where do I know this kid from? And I look, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't say anything during the movie because I didn't want to always be that person. Yeah. Um, it's Lizzie McGuire. Matt. <laughs> yeah, just like, no, he should have held him a little bit longer under the water. Just got, got the job done. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Hot take. Dark. <laughs> Yeah, just... Then, then he could have stayed on as the child of... No, they would have trashed David immediately. <laughs> what? And lose both of them? I don't think so. Oh, she would have had no problems. Just the choices that she made there. It was... But if she didn't do it that way, they, there wouldn't be an, another half of the movie. But it's just like, why are you doing this? That's dumb. And then she was always weird with him. It was weird. She was so hesitant about him for so long. And then she's like, okay, she grew to like him more. So she's like, okay, I'm going to do the imprinting program. And then he imprints on her. And it's almost like a Norman Bates kind of thing. Like at times because he's so just infatuated with her. And it's like childlike love. But he doesn't know how to give her space. (laughs) And he's always in her business. And then he's always just like, mommy, hello, can I brush your hair? Can you brush my hair? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, all right. And then she just, she always seems to be kind of apart from him. Like she won't completely give herself to him. Like I am your mother. Yeah. But she, it's because she also had that dumbass real kid who was in a coma and she couldn't, she like, well, what if he wakes up? Would you, spoiler alert, he did. I mean, we already talked about him being a pest, so. Uh, Yeah, that's true. So I would have preferred not to, like, rewrite this story. But if it's just a couple who, like, could not have a child instead Mm. of them having a child. I know it's the whole point of him kicking off this journey, his Pinocchio-esque journey to try to go to the Blue Fairy and stuff. And 
the real child made it into almost like a thriller at points because it was dark the weird stuff that he was trying to make him do yeah i'm gonna ask you something i'm sure you know but you know that this was originally a kubrick movie right no i didn't that very much makes sense yeah like he died so he couldn't finish it this was supposed to be kubrick's movie (laughs) i might have heard that but forgot Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah i think originally they had considered having spielberg come on because they're like this is a little bit more like your lane but spielberg was like nah in the mid 90s mm-hmm. so then like kubrick he was doing he did eyes wide shut i think he died right before that came out or right after right around that time and he was already like in pre-production for this and everything and had done a lot of stuff and from what i know about this spielberg he like rewrote a lot of it but like especially like the last 20 or so minutes are like ex- pretty much exactly what kubrick envisioned <laughs> which is probably why it's so like more cold to you but i don't know it's not as schmaltzy as probably if Spielberg had like went more his own way he probably would have tweaked some stuff maybe but it's like the first half of the movie sometimes seems like it has a horror element because it's really I was on edge because of the dumb kid yeah and just the things that he does and I'm just like ooh, this could get dark very fast and it has me thinking things like if David malfunctioned and turned evil or something. Yeah, I'm not sure the extent to which Spielberg changed stuff, but I think in his mind his directive was to like try to stay as close to Stanley's vision as possible. So I'm sure that was. Of course, he like cut down a lot, like the a lot on the Gigolo Joe sex scenes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think it's a lot of, of Stanley in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say the end, I won't say it, everything, mm-hmm. but just the end part, I did find really sad and heartbreaking and it was, it was more moving at points for me. Like the very end. Yeah. The last 10 minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. It was heartbreaking and I was feeling a lot there. Like I was tearing up at points and I was like, ooh, this is a lot. Like this is heavy. Mm-hmm. But just... To get to that point, there wasn't as many of those moments for me. There's a lot that probably could have been changed to make it more emotionally effective. I'm not sure how much of it is Spielberg not wanting to, like, change things from the text or just him kind of missing the mark on what made it effective. Maybe. People seem to really like the movie, though, from what I could tell. Some people (laughs) From what I could tell from, like, ratings and stuff. Yeah, I think it got, like, mixed reviews. And I think think a lot of people were, uh, especially, like, Kubrick fans, I think they were kind of bitter about it. Like, they wouldn't give it a fair shake because how did they classify that in their head? There's, like, fingerprints of Kubrick on there, but then it's a Spielberg movie, and he's kind of like a Hollywood, like, sellout. He's not, like, artistic. Yeah, the same argument that goes on today. Yeah, so. Yeah. It's got a 75%. I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that's pretty decent. Yeah. I love sci-fi, as I've mentioned on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. So I was really excited to watch it, to see if it was another one that I could be like, yes, 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 like add it to my love list. But I like it. I don't love it, though. But I was thinking the entire time, Haley Joel Osment, he was amazing. Yeah. I was just thinking the entire time, he's so young. I don't remember how old he was there. I think he was probably like 10, maybe? Yes, he's good in The Sixth Sense. He's he's really good. But this was insane because I was just thinking about how you get a 10-year-old whatever kid to have such insane depth of a performance, to act like a robot that well, and to get all the nuances. It was insane. He was very good. Yeah, he like... 
It blew my mind. He had like avoid blinking and it says he programmed himself with good posture. That is wild that he even understood to do all of those things at that age. Yeah. That's what I could not comprehend. Just working with a kid who was already that experienced. I don't know. Like he understood. He understood how to do it because you have to know all your human tics and like what makes you human. And You're like a robot wouldn't act this way. Yeah. And you have to like strip it away. But even just the whole like childlike love stuff and how a robot would act and everything and the weird things that he did that is wild that he was able to do that because it's not something that i don't think a director could really explain too well like you need to do this you need to do this and a kid really understand and then just be like okay and then do it perfectly that kid was crazy talented (laughs) yeah i mean he's one of the great child actors and i still like seeing him pop up and stuff like even he pops up in a lot of like comedy things Mm -hmm. and i hear him on podcasts and stuff it's been a while so apologies for not having like all the details but i was listening to a episode of are you talking re rem re me and he was on there with scott and scott (laughs) and adam scott he was talking to uh Haley and talking about how I think Adam got cut out of this movie and he like remembered out of AI yeah and he like I think maybe he was like somewhere in one of the maybe the Gigolo Joe scenes or the scrapyard (laughs) scenes or something he was jokingly being like hey you remember me man I was in this scene and stuff and just hearing them talk about like the filming experience I'm pretty sure that happened if I remember correctly that's funny so just he still I think he like shared having good memories of that project and stuff I'd had to go back and re-listen to it now especially now that we've watched the movie it wasn't especially uh fresh in my mind at that time because it's been like over a decade since I've seen this movie mm-hmm. but Haley he's just so talented like there's a reason I'm pretty sure he got nominated for the sixth sense if I remember correctly so yeah it's one of those rare child actors that really yeah I was just picturing like the toll that I probably took on him and how tired he probably was it's crazy he is amazing he is the best part of the movie for sure mm. but I mean, Jude Law. Like, yeah, was, Jude is yeah, great. But yeah, he it says he studied the acting of Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, whose movements he emulates. Yeah, that makes sense for Gigolo Joe. Yeah, what he was doing because that reminded me of it. Whenever he was like dancing in the moonlight at that that one point, that was really yeah harkens back to the olden days. Mm-hmm. And Jude, I think he's kind of taken for granted a lot these days. He's so like multifaceted mm-hmm. and not just like a pretty face. I think he kind of has the whole. Uh, Brad Pitt problem where like everyone views him as like a pretty boy but he's like really a character actor with all of his yeah I think he's kind of a chameleon as well Mm -hmm. didn't you say he looked like uh Astro Boy Astro Boy (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, that's good yeah this movie is super weird too Mm -hmm. just where it goes after the whole family stuff and into like robot land and everything and weird like seedy town what is it rouge town or something where all the gigolo joes go (laughs) yeah where where it goes is it's it's just weird and wild and then (laughs) the point where i guess it's kind of like a false ending or whatever where david is sitting there waiting in his little future spaceship car thing and then suddenly it's just like so much time has passed and i was like what what happens after that because i don't want to say everything yeah but like as you might get to i enjoyed this movie like i didn't hate it by any means uh i also have some issues with it but overall i think it's a really interesting movie and it's like a decent twist on like the pinocchio tale i think there's some inherent limitations with the story 
scary for me emotionally where sometimes I don't care if Pinocchio <laughs> becomes like a real boy. <laughs> I've already mentioned like some of the things I would have changed to make it more emotionally affecting. Like the dumbass kid at the beginning. <laughs> I had no patience for him. Like I said, let him drown. I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> I understand him not really connecting with his dad. He was a schlub. Who gives a shit? Get him out of here. Um <laughs> Yeah, the, like the whole thing with he. Well, he's a toy, honey, and stuff. It's just like the like the. He's ha- the one that brought him home. I don't even. But it's like how men don't connect to their children, and they're like. Yeah. It's a lady thing. Do you want a kid? Here you go. He's yours. Yeah, it's just like he brought him home. You've been really sad for a while because our kid's in a coma. Will you not be sad if we have another kid you can put your love into? Yeah. Because that... like apparently he didn't care. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, it wasn't written that he did at least so that part did bother me how it was just like here you go yeah (laughs) i don't care but here you go (laughs) yeah will you stop visiting him every single day and reading to him (laughs) yeah like can we have a life if you just kind of forget about the old kid yeah so yeah like who gives a shit glad that david didn't care like you ain't caring about me i just care about mom because mom's the best (laughs) i love mom mom rules (laughs) So, uh, but like, I enjoyed Frances O'Connor as Monica. I enjoyed when no one else was around and she was able to actually like care for David. It's just everyone else was ruining stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. And then just whenever David was forced to like go on his journey to the scrapyard and all that, it was entertaining. And I was kept invested because of Haley's performance and all the colorful characters I ran into, like Brendan Gleeson as the person gathering up all of like the messed up robots, which I think like as a kid, probably a lot of kids are probably like terrified of that. Just like half falling apart robots. I would be. <laughs> Like, I think that's well done. Like, Spielberg is really good at mixing, like, the scary with the entertaining and, like, family-friendly. Like, there's a little bit of, like, little things to maybe keep you up at night a little bit. And, like, ooh, (laughs) that's a little spicy. (laughs) And there's, like, a lot of interesting voice work near the end of the movie. Like, a lot of big names popping up. Yeah. Just, like, hearing Robin Williams pop up. I won't ruin everyone, but, like, Robin Williams in, like, a pretty, I guess, important role, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot to keep me entertained. And, like, I did feel stuff at the end but there was just not enough building up at the beginning and the foundation was cracked it wasn't strong enough to like support where we needed this story to go that was my main issue with things it's a dark depressing story but you don't get like the bittersweetness it's just more so just like bitter yeah there's a tinge of like the balance is off yeah frustrating Mm -hmm. and just knowing everything he's had to go through to try to become a real boy and how it ends up Mm -hmm. he doesn't really care about becoming a real boy because he wants to be real he just wants love he like if he could get the same love that he needs from monica with him just being a robot then he'd be fine but yeah. he wants his mom's love. He wants his mom to love him. Yeah, if I change this thing about me, I'll know love. That's all I can go back to her, and that's sad. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, it's like oh, what a lot of kids experience, how they're just like, why don't you love me? <laughs> like, yeah. I have to do all these things right so that you'll you'll love me or you'll like me. You yeah. won't be disappointed. Maybe if I'm better at school, you won't be mad at me and you'll love me. It's just, you shouldn't be conditional. Mm -hmm. So take note, parents. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you're making your kids feel overly pressured or... <laughs> Take notes, parents. Don't make your robot children want to be human, okay? Yeah, if you, if you have a robot child... <laughs> This is basically a documentary of what not to do. <laughs> Let him be a robot, all right? And still love him. Maybe if you wake up and they're holding a pair of scissors in the dead of night, maybe just think that they're trying to do something nice and not something creepy. Okay, even though it's kind of creepy. Yeah, but like, I've woken up to my cat over me in the middle of the night and I didn't assume she was trying to kill me. And I'm still here. I've woken up to you standing beside me. <laughs> yeah around on the bed. I did think that you might do something, but it was for a split second. Yeah, because you know what? I didn't kill you when I was halfway sleepwalking. So we all good, fam. <laughs> you don't straight up divorce me when I'm sitting creepily up in the bed at night on the edge just kind of like sitting there. Staring. <laughs> so scary. Yeah, I'm a creepy dude, okay? <laughs> I got creepy habits. We all are creepy We've sometimes. all been there, okay? Mm. So yeah, protect your robot children. Get them a teddy. Yeah, because they'll love them better than you. Yeah. Shout out to Teddy. Teddy, you a real one. Yeah. Uh, one thing we haven't really <laughs> talked about, that's kind of like an aspect that they could have also made more emotional, but whenever it was kind of revealed, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. It was like all the William Hurt stuff and how David was connected to him and why David existed. There was like an undercurrent of like, that's interesting and emotional, but it wasn't developed enough. You didn't know the William Hurt character enough to make it like really land. Maybe if it was David instead of, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, this is kind of fan fiction, but like if it was uh, David instead of eventually trying to go back to like Monica, like his mom that he was trying to get to, finding that genuine love that you said like in Bicentennial Man with William Hurt, mm -hmm. maybe that, I don't know. That's another part that really annoyed me about the movie, but I can't, I guess I can't go too much into it. And another thing, parents, if you are going to dispense with your robot child, if you're going to treat them terribly, and you take them out into the woods, don't just leave them to fend for himself. Just destroy them. It's more humane. Yeah, take it back to the place where it's the made. The factory. Yeah, whatever. the factory. Because they're made to love, and they're not going to get it, so you're just, like, going to make it live forever not finding love. Yeah, that's what I said during the movie. I was like, this is how you start robot uprisings, because yeah. if it's made to love, it's made to have a broken heart as well, and heartbreak can cause some crazy stuff to happen. Absolutely. I mean, yes, this is a replication of a conversation we had during the movie, but yes, yeah. it, it could have very easily went even darker, yeah. just him being like, I'm going to go back and kill some people. <laughs> I guess luckily David was more childlike in his love and heartbreak. Yeah. Damn Spielberg, you wild. You wild for this one. <laughs> so if you want to be like a little creeped out, but also a little bit bewildered and like sad, why? And then just <laughs> like sad, check out this. And just to be like, wow, that Haley Joel Osment was something else. Mm. Check out AI, artificial <laughs> intelligence. That's, a, that's the longest pull quote on a DVD box ever. <laughs> Now, if any of you sons of bitches got anything else to say, now's the fucking time! What's that rating system? My rating system is intimidating robot dongs. <laughs> I think I would give this movie three intimidating robot dongs out of five. Hmm. So I'm a little nervous. <laughs> three robot dongs? <laughs> that is pretty scary. Yeah. A little nervous. A little Ooh. exciting. <laughs> 
really? <laughs> it's getting hot in here. We had AC on. <laughs> What's your rating system? You know how I am. Just getting some stolen locks of hair. <laughs> yeah. So I would clip off three and a half locks of your hair, girl. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, you're going to be uneven as hell. <laughs> Choppy ends. If you want to go on this wild ride, <laughs> uh, it is currently available to stream on Stars, and it is on Blu-ray. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next time when we'll be discussing a fun array of movies. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. If you like the show today, just go ahead and drop us a rating, leave us a review, whichever, one or both, I don't know. If you didn't like it, I don't know, just kick rocks. Actually, if you didn't like it, maybe just turn inwards and reevaluate your life. Maybe it's something wrong with you. I'm going to be honest, I don't think it is. Hmm, interesting. But that's probably a lack of self-esteem on my part. Yeah, I think it's something wrong with them. I think we killed it. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Gonzalez. Two, you can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com, as well as on YouTube, co-hosting The Video Attic with my colleague, Mike Vaughn. And you can follow me on Twitter at justthenzero underscore. You can also find me contributing to geekvibesnation.com. We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the Art of Ben Belcher. I've been Jessica. And I've been Dylan. And remember, people, don't feed your robot spinach. Bye! Bye. Gucci.